East-West Draftcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome, everybody, to East-West Draftcast, the mediocre podcast that you sometimes listen to. This is Jeff. Greg is on the line. That's correct. And I'm just kidding. This podcast is awesome. Uh, today, we are excited because new set's coming out, and this is actually a very exciting set because it's going to bring together all of our Ravnica goodness to one sweet draft format, hopefully. Well, or worse, assuming. Well, to be, to be fair, it's not going to bring all of the Ravnica together. Oh man, if only. I want to do that sealed. Just one of each of the Ravnica guilds, but that's neither here. Boy, that's not good synergy. Well, I guess. No, I think it could be. They kind of fit together. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm getting off the rails already. Yeah. But yeah, so we have some spoiled cards already. Uh, we were going to touch on those a little bit, uh, go over the commons and uncommons that have been spoiled. Not a lot of those, but there are some, and so they're worth talking about. Uh, we'll skip the rares because. Because you know, you don't play with them enough in draft to really care that much. Um, but uh, the real topic for today is to talk about Return of Ravnica and Gatecrash and how they're they're changing, how they're different now that Dragon's Maze is coming in and we're drafting them all together and like the evaluation of cards maybe or the, just the, the overall change of the format, how... Um, certain cards get better, certain cards get worse, certain strategies change. Now, off the bat, we should mention that, once again, we started planning an episode about a week ago, and right before we recorded it, Conley Woods decided to write an article about that same topic. <laughs> so I urge all the listeners to check that out. It's called Redefining the Defined. Uh, it's up on Channel Fireball right now, and he talks about a lot of this stuff. And we're probably going to cross over, but hopefully we'll touch on some topics that he does not discuss as well. Yeah, he did the same thing to us last podcast, which makes it seem like we're copying him, but we're not. No, he's. It's not that he's copying us either. It's just coincidence every time. It's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, one more like magic community note I want to throw out there. I don't I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, but uh, this guy named Dan who writes or or creates videos for uh, MTGStrat.com. Or mtgostrat.com. Did you have you seen these top ten podcasts for the month articles no. or videos he's been doing? No. We made number four for April. What? Yeah. He uh, apparently he really liked the sequencing episode, and he was really stoked on uh, how that one turned out. So, and he he promoted it too. Like he talked about that episode in particular, and gave us some some props on his video. And I just want to say thank you to Dan. We really appreciate it. Uh, we put a lot of work into that episode. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we, we did. We had way too much info. <laughs> yeah. We took like this giant page of notes and just spewed it out into the microphone. But, uh, I was all worried that it wasn't going to take it all, but apparently he thought it was really good and I'm excited that somebody liked it. So that's really, yeah. Good. If one person got something out of it, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into spoilers. Can I get a spoiler alert one time? Spoiler alert. That's where I'd throw in the spoiler alert. 
know. That's where I just did throw in the spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, bam. Uh, you guys heard that. You guys are probably all pumped now. So let's start at the top of Wooberg, shall we? Yes, we shall. Uh, so we got Sunspire Gatekeepers. This is a human soldier creature. It costs three colorless and a white. It is a common. Uh, it is a 2-4 four for four. We like those. Uh, and it says, when Sunspire Gatekeepers enters the battlefield, if you control two or more gates, put a 2-2 knight creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield. So before we talk about how, like, the rest of this cycle, what do you think about just this card? If this just was the only card. Gatekeeper in the set. I like it. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a fan. Two, how, how often do you think you're going to have two gates? Often. Okay. There's, there are going to be 24, well, not necessarily, but close to 24 gates just in the first round of packs going around the table. Yes, that's correct. Uh, which is a ton. <laughs> so I think the chances, I mean, just, just the fact that if everyone took an equal amount of gates in the first pack, we all have two to three. Yeah. Or wait, did I say 24 gates? That's, yeah. That's not right. It, th- there's eight gates. <laughs> right? right. Well, I mean, uh, no, eight times three packs per person. But but we're... Oh, right, right, right. Only yeah. one pack of yeah, Dragon's Mage. Yeah, we'll figure this out eventually, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's only <laughs> eight anyway, guaranteed eight, in that first pack. Or not even but, guaranteed. Well, yeah, but but close to. Um, and so uh, right off the bat, if everyone had an average amount of gates, they'd have one. And so all you need to do is grab a couple more in the next few packs, which hopefully you'd want to do, um, because the set's becoming more multicolored. And so, like, I get that it's kind of tough to get to if you only have three of them or something, but uh, if you prioritize them right, I think it's I think it's gonna happen. The fact of the matter is, is that it's still okay because you're getting a two four for four, which while that isn't like super exciting like pillar field ox has never been anything you've like windmill slammed into your pile Mm -hmm. the fact that think about how good a a pillar field ox has been in the past two formats in return to ravnica draft that was a pretty decent card because there were a lot of three x's running around yep so that that counts for something for Uh, sure it's i think it's yeah it's playable without the bonus and if you I mean, it, I mean, as like a twenty-third card, but but if you're getting the bonus, it's it's awesome, it's great. Okay, let's get to the next one in the cycle. This is Opal Lake Gatekeepers. It's the same mana cost except blue instead of white. Three colors and a blue, a common two-four. They're all going to be two-fours for four with one colored mana requirement. This one's a Vidalcan Soldier, and when he enters the battlefield, if you control two or more gates, you may draw a card. Now that's some value. <laughs> Would you rather have a card or a 2-2 knight? Definitely a card. Really? Yes. Uh, I disagree. I mean, well, okay. Maybe not all the time. Part of the issue here is that the knight, if you're populating, is a lot more important. Right. And that's Um, something we'll get to a little bit later, like all the mechanics and how they interact with Dragon's Maze. But I don't know. I mean, do you think a 2-2 Vigilance is better than an average card from a draft deck? No, but I think the fact that I'm not, like, I don't have to pay mana for that 2-2 is a big deal. It's like a lot of tempo right off the bat. 
You're not paying any mana to draw that card either. But you are paying to cast that card that you drew. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. I'm always I always want to dig deeper into my deck if I like, especially at no cost like this, because if you draw like even if what's the worst case scenario that you draw a land? Yeah. Like probably. at least you're digging past that land. True. No, no, no. I I know the value of drawing a card. It's awesome. I love it. I I just like the tempo that the gatekeepers gives you. It's like two. Whenever a card plays two creatures, it's. I mean, this is very similar to say uh, a night watch in Gatecrash, except it costs one less, which is pretty good value. Of course, playing this turn four and getting the two two off of it is probably not that likely. Well, I don't think. Yeah, you'd have to play two gates on your first three turns, which yeah. man, which that's... you're losing tempo there already. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Okay. The same I, thing is true with the, the blue one, too, though. Like, you're not necessarily going to get that card on turn four with that one, either. Right, but that's not, like, yeah. But late game, I guess what it's what it comes down to is probably early game, the 2-2 two is probably better. Late game, drawing cards probably better. Mm-hmm. And these probably trigger late game more often, so, so you're probably right. I, I think the blue one's probably better. Should We should probably not really consider these four drops necessarily either. Like These do seem like the type of cards that you're going to want to wait to cast until you get to two gates, and right. especially with some of these ones that come come up later. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, like we need to consider these cards, not necessarily four drops all the time, maybe cards you want to play on turn six or something like that. In sure. Turn. I mean, but they have the bonus of being able to just play them as a 2-4 for turn sure. 4. Sure. Having options is always better. I mean, it's they're, they're, that's why they're good cards. Yep. Uh, next up is Ubel Sar Gatekeepers. This is the black one. And when it enters the battlefield, if you control two or more gates, target creature and opponent controls gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. This one's a zombie soldier and removal on a stick. Why the yeah. hell not? That's an awesome ability. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a Farbog Bone Flinger, which we got in Dark Ascension. If, uh, again, if you have the gates to cast. Like, if you have the gates, but this is also a much better creature. It's a 2 4 instead of a 2 2. So. And it costs one mana less. So, exactly. Yeah. So it's a better card than that, I think. And yeah, so it's good. Okay. Uh, do you want to keep going with these guys? Yeah. Uh, so the next one we got Smelt Ward Gatekeepers. We got this guy's a human warrior, he's the red one. Uh, and if you control two or more gates, you get to threaten. So uh, that's an act of treason. Gain control of target creature. An opponent controls, untap it, and it gains haste until end of turn. Um, Seems like the worst one we've talked about so far. Yeah, I mean, that's an aggressive ability, and these cards are kind of inherently not aggressive because they're four mana two fours. Uh, yeah, so that one doesn't feel as powerful it just it feels like it's a uh, against it's like an anti-synergy with itself <laughs> well on top of that it's also one of those things that's such a situational ability in the first place like threaten is not a card you just like whenever you can cast it you cast it right whereas like the black one the blue one and the white one you're happy to cast those at any point of the game like the white one you're just going to get two dudes the blue one you're going to draw a card the black one you're probably going to kill something whereas this threaten one if you're there are only certain points in the game when, in which Threaten is actively a good card to cast. Right. Uh, if you're just, like, lava-axing somebody, it's probably not worth it. You kind of just want to win the game with a Threaten, which, again, kind of speaks to the fact that a lot of these cards are cards that aren't really four drops. They're cards that you're going to play a lot later in the game. 
to maximize the use of that ability. And this one of the four we've discussed so far has the most narrow ability of, of them. Right. I mean, the kind of cool thing about the fact that it's a threaten on a creature is the, is like often when you, when you cast threaten and then alpha strike, if it, if you're not winning, you might have trouble on the backswing, but this guy gets to sit there and while well, you get your threaten and you get some defense on the way back if if you're not winning. Yeah. But, but it's just, it's still kind of bleh. Yeah, I mean, the upside of it is also that because threaten is a card you don't want to cast all the time, you could be just in a situation where the 2-4 is better than the threaten. Just a 2-4 four for 4, you know? For sure, yeah. And it's, it, that, that makes it so like you don't just have a dead active treason in your hand. So mm-hmm. that's good too. I mean, it's definitely better than threaten if you have the gates, but comparing it to the other gatekeepers, that's all I'm saying is it's it's yeah. a little lackluster compared to them, but it's still a pretty good card. Yeah. Uh, next up is the green one, Soruli Gatekeepers. This is an elf warrior, and when it enters the battlefield, if you control two or more gates, gain seven life. <sighs> <laughs> Greg does not like fucking life gain, man. <laughs> hey, at least when life gains on a creature, it's much better. That's a fact. I cannot dispute that, but man, all these other cards do such sweet things. It's like that affect the board or that like draw you a card or like help you race with the, the act of trees. And this guy's just like, I guess this one helps you race in a way too, but it's just like game seven. I, I don't know. I don't mind this one. So, when I look at this, I think of um, Zarichi Tiger, which we hated in spoiler season, and it turned out to be okay. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where, I mean, this is three and a half activations of a Zarichi Tiger without the mana investment and a better body. No, uh, I'm. I get it. Like again, I don't. I don't think any of these cards are bad. I just like comparing just hit- them to <laughs> each other. It's just like this is the shit end of the stick. I mean, green. This is why green has always had such a hard time being like. A good color in magic is because when they give black, them abilities like life gain. Yeah, black gets removal, blue gets card draw, like green or white gets to make creatures, and green gets to like oh, okay, gain some life. Fuck, this sucks. I don't know. Or pseudo draw cards. Yeah. But not actually draw cards. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, but no, this card's good. I mean, you're drawing. You're not. I mean, seven life is not necessarily worth the same as drawing a card or giving something minus two minus two, but it's worth something. Like that's a lot of life. Yeah, it is. And sometimes scanning seven life will be better than all the other gatekeepers, but those times are few and far between, I think. Because, I mean, in general, in a limited game of magic, you're not afraid of your opponent's, like, three lightning bolts they might have in their hand once you get down to a certain life total. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, the the reach isn't always there, so gaining life isn't as powerful as it could be in constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, but in certain situations, it can be the turn of the tide there. But I don't know. I mean, I remember in uh, what is that? Shards of Alar block uh, that basic land cycling green card. Oh yeah, where you can gain life. It gained like eight life or something. Um, or you could basic land cycle it, which you basic land cycled it uh, about 99% of the time. Well, maybe less, but sometimes you're casting that for eight life, and that was how you won the game. It was pretty cool when that happened. 
Yeah, and this comes with a body attached to it, so that's pretty good. I mean, you can't complain. It's just not that exciting. Uh, right. Let's keep going. Let's get into the multicolor cards. Yeah, so these are all, or not all, but most of these are going to be uncommons. Um, but we'll start with Bread for the Hunt. This is an enchantment, uncommon, and it's a colorless, a blue and a green, a Simic card. Whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. I don't like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so this is a card that I could see being good in one specific shard, which would be blue or bug, blue, green, black, right? Yep. Um, and because both of those abilities have to do with plus one, plus one counters, so you're getting the bonus for every single one of your, like, all your synergy is happening, right? But uh, when you have, when you're, like, Simic plus, like, Azorius or something, and, you know, you're just, like, all your your com- your combinations don't match up, so not a lot of your creatures are going to have plus one, plus one counters. It's just not going to be worth the card. I mean, you you need creatures to connect multiple times before this does anything, and you're going to need a lot of creatures that can have plus one, plus one counters on it, which... Not only that, creatures that can get through unblocked. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it definitely plays best with Simic cards, Golgari cards, and Rakdos cards, because those are where the plus one, plus one counters are coming from. Yeah, so the, I mean... the value of this card is inherently tied to how many of those creatures you have. Now, if you... Let's say you had, like, I don't know, ten creatures with some form of, like, plus one, plus one counter getting ability, whether it was through Evolve or Unleash, and maybe you had, like, and two of them were, like, scavenge creatures. Would do you, would you play this card? Would you play Bread for the Hunt? With ten of them? Ten. Mm. Ah, probably not. <laughs> I don't think I would either, and that's a lot. Ten creatures with plus one, plus one counters? Like, yeah. the fact that this could just be a dead card makes it... Pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. I mean, there will be a deck that, that'll really want this card that, and that'll really abuse it, but I don't know. Like, I would want, like, two or three Cloudfin Raptors in that deck, you know? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, when you're connecting with creatures with plus one, plus one counters on them, you're probably dealing a ton of damage. So drawing extra cards, it's not... I mean, you're already winning, right? Most likely. Yeah. So, like... It's I mean, that just, definitely would seal the deal for you, no doubt, but... Sure, but, yeah. But it's like, if you're... If your card that you scavenged, has, has, the creature that has the counters on it is beating down, it's probably beating for, like, five or more. Yeah. So it's huge and killing your opponent quite quickly. Now, if you have one of those uh, uncommon Simic creatures, the the Rhino or the Sapphire Drake, I think this card goes up in value. Yeah, maybe. Because yeah. those both provide extra ways for those creatures to get through unblocked, either through trample damage or with flying. Yeah. I think overall this is going to be a, a low pick. Yeah, I mean it's. I wouldn't necessarily like first pick this and build around it. No, no, no somebody's no. going to try it. Sounds yeah. like forcing the issue. Uh, so it's like a bad idea. <laughs> uh, next up is Deputy of Acquittals. This is a common uh, white blue for a two-two human wizard. He has flash, and when Deputy of Acquittals enters the battlefield, you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. Holy balls! This card's awesome. This card is sweet. The the you may is huge. It's insane. God. You never get to get that on creatures like this. No. Oh my god, it's so good. I I mean, so I remember. Yeah, I I, I don't remember exactly all the things that I was looking at in Gate Crash that I'm like, 
You know what would be great is if you could bounce this to your hand. There's the angel maker guy. Yep. But, and I feel like there's something else, too. But Well, there's every detain card. Well, that, yeah, and then for Azorius, obviously. Every, every card that reads detain, this is great with. And, like, just saving a creature. If yep. you get a creature out of Ah, oh, man, it's so good. You, like, blank a removal spell, get a 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> yeah. This I card mean, it, is you, a high pick, I think. Yeah, the fact that you get the 2-2 body to go with the ability means that, like, even if you're losing tempo and bringing something back to your hand, you're not losing that much tempo because you get a dude out of it. Yeah, and I mean, it's also a removal spell because it's a flash creature. Yeah, it's like it's got that Shamble Shark built-in ability. Man, yeah, this guy's pretty sweet. I really like it. I, I mean, I don't know if you're going to first pick this card if only because it's double color, but eh, it seems I'm... pretty... I mean, useful. for a common, this is like overpowered for a common, in my opinion. But no, I don't know. I'm we, with you on that. I mean, what we was, might be Stone seeing... Cloaker was a was a uncommon, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, White Main Lion is the most similar to this. Yeah, but those required you to return a creature yeah. to your hand. So, like, if you wanted to play it just on turn two, you couldn't. You'd play it, and it would return itself to its hand or to your hand. This guy, you can still play just as a two-two for two if you want. It's it's so good. Yeah. I I think that I mean this might be the trend. Uh, like I think this is one of the only common gold gold cards we've seen. Or it is the only common gold card we've seen. This might be the trend. I mean, this might be kind of like Alara Reborn where all the commons were like holy crap, these are really really powerful. Yeah. We so, can only hope. Yeah. What's next? Uh we got a Goblin Test Pilot. Uh, yes. This is currently the most recently spoiled card, and it's silly as all hell. Uh, it is one colorless, a blue, and a red, so it's an is it card. It's a Goblin Wizard, an O2 Flying, pretty useful there, Ornithopter stats. Uh, you tap it, it deals two damage to target creature or player, chosen at random. You have no idea what it's going to deal damage to. Which makes it, in my opinion, 100% unplayable. It's totally unplayable, but it's so sweet. <laughs> It's hilarious. I mean, there's a pos like it's it's gonna be drafted by somebody. It's one time, and it's just gonna be the best card in the world. Like they're yep. just gonna kill everything and just oh man, just dome your absurd. opponent for two every turn. Yeah, and then of course, in most people's experiences, <laughs> you'll cast it, and the first time you tap it, it'll like kill itself, <laughs> or just kill one of your other dudes, and then it'll kill itself. Yeah, I was trying to think of like how could you get value? Oh, you could chump block and then use it because you know if it kills itself, at least you chump blocked. But then it's like how was that worth the card? <laughs> I'm paying three man, <laughs> just chump block and deal two damage to maybe itself. Oh yeah. man, that's so bad. I like, uh, I like if. You know that you're going to have a lot fewer creatures than your opponent. Like if your opponent is in Selesnia, maybe this card is something you can sideboard in. But they're still making like centaurs, which this does not. Oh, totally. I mean, but I mean, I guess if you really wanted to get mathematical about it, and you could just play the percentages and be like, okay, my opponent on average has three creatures in play, and I on average have two creatures in play. Right. There's like a like four out of seven times it's going to do something good for me. <laughs> Right, I mean, I, which I guess, is like still not that good. Right, it's in Is it? So I mean, Is it is kind of the spell heavy deck, right? Or that's the idea. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's what they're going for here. But I think Wizards uh, made a card that's just straight unplayable. 
I, I think the other, I, I'm just trying to envision scenarios where I would want to side this in, you know? And if, I don't know, maybe if my creatures, I didn't have that many, uh, one or two toughness creatures, and I could somehow get the test pilot to like above <laughs> two toughness. Oh, now you're wasting just, cards. Yeah, you're asking so much from this card <laughs> to be good. Yeah, I think it's just bad. Oh, it's real bad. All right. Uh, next card, Greg? Yeah, uh, this is an uncommon called Rot Farm Skeleton. Two colorless, a black, and a green for a plant skeleton creature. He's a 4-1. Rot Farm Skeleton can't block, and you can pay two colorless, a black, and a green. You can just pay its casting costs, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard, and then return Rot Farm Skeleton from your graveyard to the battlefield. Play this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. So... This is kind of like it's it's like an homage to Dredge. Yeah. And instead of putting the card on top of your library or back into your hand, you put it onto the battlefield, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, I think this card's really good. I think so too. It plays really well with Scavenge. Yeah. Um that's the idea. And uh I mean just a four power beater is pretty big. So, it gets through most things. Like it trades with everything because it only has one toughness, but because yeah, of that, okay. like you're probably killing whatever blocks it anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to cards we've seen in the past that mill you for their ability that you can't use them too much. Yeah, kill, kill yourself. Uh, what was that red enchantment uh, from Innistrad? I don't know, but there was that one, and I <laughs> killed I killed myself with it before. <laughs> so, oops. Yeah. It was a fun card, though. Um, but you did skip over a card here, Greg. Oh, I did? Well, let's do that one next. All right. Well, it is a reprint, and it is called Putrefy. Oh, yeah. Uh, one colorless, a black, and a green for an instant uncommon. Destroy target artifact or creature. It can't be regenerated. <laughs> it can't. All right? Not possible. And you know what? They've really gotten rid of this uh, in cards nowadays because they want to make regeneration better. So it's kind of weird that they're printing a card that says this, but I'm okay with it, because Putrefy is fucking awesome. Yeah. Now, how many creatures are there that actually have regenerate in this in these sets? I can think of the Unleash guy. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's the only thing that's coming to my head right now. There's probably at least one more, though. There's some... Isn't there, like, some terrible one in Gatecrash? I don't know. So yeah, all... it's pretty irrelevant, but I don't know. Sometimes maybe you'll get their little 2-2 Unleashed Skeleton with it, and you'll feel like a boss. Yeah, it's mostly that it's unconditional instant speed removal for 3 mana. Yeah, and it can also hit artifacts, which includes key runes, and those are going to be better in the yeah. full block. Those might just matter now. Yeah. So. Maybe. <laughs> so, so yeah, and, and I kind of wonder, is Mortify coming back? That's a good question. I have no idea. And I kind of liked Mortify even more because it hit enchantments, which are more relevant, usually. For limited, yeah. Yeah. That's All right. I mean. Let's keep going. Uh, Showstopper is next. Hopefully I'm not skipping any this time. This is sure a, It's an instant uncommon. A colorless, a black, and a red. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain. When this creature dies, it deals two damage to target creature an opponent controls. This seems like something where the real use for it is going to be some Johnny combo with like a sack outlet. And there aren't that many sack outlets in these sets. Like this seems like it's lending itself to some popper constructed deck that I don't give a shit about. Yeah. 
in draft, I don't see it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think its use in draft is, like, in, it's, it's the aggro reach card, right? You, you have a bunch of crappy creatures, and now all their creatures outclass yours, so you just alpha strike, they block, like, all of them, they all die, and you get to show stop them for the last damage. It only but, deals damage to creatures. Oh shit! That's this card terrible. sucks. <laughs> oh wow! You can't, yeah, you can't hit your opponent with it. If you could do that, it would be great. It'd be like uh, I don't know about great. It'd be well, I mean, it'd be playable. Yeah, okay, it'd be like that bad. that card from uh, Kamigawa Block, the one where you sacrifice spirits and well, kill for two. But you get to choose that they die, right? That's then. that's correct. Much better, much better. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, this card is now unplayable to me. <laughs> yeah. Now that I figured that part out, jeez. I mean, you could do some tricky stuff with it. I mean, it's a nice little way to, I don't know, if, if they're going to two-for-one you or something with, um, I'm trying to think of a, a card that kills two creatures at the same time. You could be like, okay, I'll play this in response. But then, like, you're playing a really reactive game at that point, and, mm-hmm. ugh, that yeah. just does not appeal to me whatsoever. No, that's bad. Let's keep going. Uh, Alright, next card, Sin Collector. One colorless, a white, and a black for a human cleric. Uncommon. He is a 2-1. When Sin Collector enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose an instant or sorcery card from it and exile it. I like this guy. Yeah, he's fine. I think um, he will be a 2-for-1 probably a quarter of the time. Yeah, but he's not really, like, a full-on two-for-one, because your opponent never spent mana on the card. Well, you know, I, I call that a two-for-one. I don't know. Making people discard cards is... I consider mind rot a two-for-one. Yeah, I mean, I what I'm saying is I don't think it's the same level of two-for-one as something that was just, like, destroy two target creatures. Oh, of course not. You know? Yeah. It's a weaker two-for-one. It's like a one-and-a-half-for-one. <laughs> sure. But um, the thing I like about this, or, or from what I recall from Return to Ravnica, uh, instants were a big deal. Yes. And um, like a million pump spells running around and such things. And this is really good against pump spells because you cast it pre-combat and, you know, they might be able to dump their pump spell right then, but it does nothing essentially since you're not in combat yet. Um, yeah. If you keep them off of it on offense, too, that's also good for you. Totally. Um, and then, I mean, you you might hit an instant when they're tapped down that they can't cast right away. Um, and then, of course, it can hit sorceries. I don't know. I think it's cool. Um, not an all-star of any type, but playable. Yeah, I think it's playable, and that's about it. I mean, 2-1 for 3 is pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty If low. you don't hit an instant or sorcery, this card is... It's, it's not good. It's yeah. not good. But the chance of hitting one is pretty big, so... Yeah, I mean, the upside of that is pretty high. Like, if you do connect, it's going to be worth it to you. Yeah. Uh, next up is Tristani's Summoner. Five colors, a green and a white for an uncommon elf shaman. He's a 1-1. One, one. Might be a she. I didn't look at the art on this. Uh, when Tristani's Summoner enters the battlefield, put a 2-2 white knight creature with token with vigilance onto the battlefield a 3-3 green centaur, and a 4-4 green rhino with trample. I I didn't say it exactly as it's written here, but you get three dudes plus this guy. So he's a 1-1, you get a 2-2 vigilance, a 3-3, and a 4-4 trample. 
Yeah, we've so, seen a card like this before. Uh, Bestial Menace. Bestial Menace. Uh, that would cost five though, so that was a better card. But this is still good. Yeah, I it, I think the format's probably going to slow down a little bit to the point where seven mana won't be as terrible as it once was. Yeah, and if you're in green, there. I mean, all the sets have ramp in green, so yeah, yeah. this this could be pretty solid. And then if you're if you're Bant and you get a friggin' uh, deputy of acquittals. Bounce that shit to your hand. Do, Do it, it again. again. Do it. Live yeah. dream. I don't know. Seven mana is still a lot. I'm not totally convinced this is a good card, but it does seem like it has potential. Yeah, it's. I think it's a... You know what card this reminds me of is... Um, was, there was that green splicer from uh, Scars. Oh, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, that was seven mana. It gave you two three threes and a one one. This gives you even more than that. Gives you a lot more than that. Yeah, and so I think this is good. I like this guy. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty solid. Let's get into split cards. Yeah, split cards. Spoiler alert: split cards are back. Yes, uh, and yeah, for those of you that hadn't played with them before, they're two cards in one. You can cast either side, but there's a twist. A twist, Greg. What's the twist? Yeah, nowadays. In Dragon's Maze, these split cards have an ability called Fuse, which allows you to cast both halves of the cards at the same time. I've been told that you read them from left to right when you cast them. Right. So uh, you cast, you essentially pay the mana for both, and then you like resolve the card from left to right. The left half of the card, the left half of the split card resolves first, and then the the right half. So first up is one called Armed and Dangerous. Uh, armed costs one in a red, dangerous costs three in a green. So if you want to cast them both at the same time, it costs four red green. This is an uncommon sorcery. It says target creature gets plus one plus one against double strike until end of turn on the armed side. And dangerous says all creatures able to block target creature do so this turn. Yeah. So this to me looks like you kind of have to fuse it for it to be good. As a sorcery, yes. Yeah. Um, but I think just the green side is good. Yep. Just the red side? No, it's not good. Yeah, it's just like a weird like lava spike sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you fuse them together, and all of a sudden you're wrathing your opponent's board. So. At the cost of two cards, probably. The cost of your creature and this card. Of course, yeah. So, I mean, it's not the greatest, but it does have value. And these split cards are inherently good because you can play either mode if you don't have the mana to, to fuse them together. Yeah. Assuming you can cast both colors. So. Now I have a question for you. This is just a silly exercise that means nothing. But if say this armed and dangerous was a blue red card and the the blue side was uh, unblockable, would it be better? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean that that seems like it'd be pretty powerful. But if, well, I don't know as a sorcery. Yeah, I mean, but who cares? Because it's unblockable. They can't they can't deal with it. Yeah, I mean that's still you're still going in all all in on one card. Like if they have a removal spell, they just two for one you. Sure, but that's the same here. That's true. That's fair. 
And I, I mean, I, they both do different things. It depends on are you trying to just like deal that last bit of damage to win the game, or are you trying to like get some creatures off the board? Yeah, I'm sure, I mean, sure they both have their like merits and situations where they'd be better. But yeah, you're probably right. The blue version would probably be a little bit better. Yeah, that was fun discussing a card that will never exist. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. All right, next card. Uh, we have Far and Away, which isn't that a movie? But uh, probably. I think it's like a. Terrence Malick movie or something. Nah, it's not Terrence Malick. I don't know who it is. Uh, anyway, it's an instant. Uh, one side is colorless and a blue for return target creature to its owner's hand. The other side is two colorless and a black for target player sacrifices a creature. You gotta pay the full three colorless, blue, black to get both effects, but boy, when you do. Holy cow, that's really nice. <laughs> I mean, both sides are playable on their own. Yep. Uh, and... Like, it's just adding one mana to an effect that exists already in separate cards, which I, if I couldn't fuse this card, I'd be like, hell yeah, this card's sweet. Um, the fact that you can fuse it, you you bounce something, then they sacrifice, so... You bounce geez. their smallest creature. Yeah, bounce the one that makes it so sacrificing isn't that big a deal, and then now it's a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, that's the inherent problem with these like cards like Devour Flesh, is if they have a 1-1 one, one token you're just, you're boned. Because yeah. they're just like, oh, I'll lose my 1-1 one, one token. But if you can get rid of that token with a far and away, and then they have to sacrifice something larger, that's pretty valuable. Yeah, this is this is probably my, f- well, I think it, it might be the best one of these uncommon ones, but it's not my favorite. It's very good. But we'll talk about that. Later. Next up is Toil and Trouble. This is another uncommon. It's a sorcery. Toil is two and a black. Target player draws two cards and loses two life. Trouble is two and a red. Trouble deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards in that player's hand. And you can fuse them together. So... I like this card. It's pretty sweet. I mean, the fact that you can draw two yourself, lose two life, but also, like, dome your opponent for some amount of damage is pretty cool. And sometimes it'll just be the Lava Axe to win you the game. Yeah, I mean... So, I like this card because it feels... Like, you don't even have to be playing both sides for it to be good. Or you do have to be playing black. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to just play the red half of this card. Yeah. That's not but, that's not enough. But yeah, but but a divination in black, although slightly worse than a divination, is still good. Like, it's you don't you don't get that kind of ability in black very often. So uh, I'm happy to, to do that. Um, and then, obviously, if you can fuse the two, uh, you're probably winning the game. I mean, if if you're casting it that way. I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, you wouldn't be casting it if you're not winning the game. So. I mean, what if you just need to draw two cards? <laughs> it, why would you fuse it then? I mean, why not if you don't have anything else to do? I guess. I suppose you could make the argument that the one of the two cards you draw yeah. would be something that you'd rather cast than trouble deals damage, but... I mean, if, if, I mean, if the opponent has five cards in hand, fuck yeah, I'll do it, but... <laughs> If they have, like, one card in hand, I'm not paying three. No, totally. That's not worth it. But, yeah, I mean, there are situations where this is not just, like, a am going to win. It's just mostly a divination than, it, than anything else. No, that is the big, yeah, that's, like, the 90% of the time you'll be drawing two cards off of it, which is fine. I like doing that. So. Yeah, it's pretty good. What's next? Turn and burn. Uh, poker reference. Also a Top Gun reference. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. 
I need to rewatch Top Gun, apparently. You do. Uh, that um, should be like required viewing, like once a month. Jesus. Top Gun, point I don't break, even know if I watch a movie once a month. Nah, Big Lebowski. God, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> um, two colors in a blue for uh, an instant target creature loses all abilities and becomes an 01 red weird until end of turn. Uh, and then the red side is a colorless in red. Burn deals two damage to target creature or player. So, uh, both sides, again, are playable and good. When you fuse them together, guess what? It's just a straight kill Doom, spell. Yeah, Doomblade. Yeah, essentially. It's a, a Doomblade, but in blue and red, which are colors that never get a Doomblade. So, pretty cool. Yeah, I like this card a lot, especially because you can just fuse it and cast it to t- destroy one thing, but there are other times when in combat you'll be able to get a two-for-one out of this. Yeah, so this is my favorite of the split cards because of what Greg just said. Uh, in combat this becomes an easy two-for-one. Like, super easy, and better than far and away because they don't get to keep one of their creatures. Yep, it doesn't go back to the hand, it just dies. It it's just cr- dies. It's kind of funny that the blue half of this card makes a red weird token. <laughs> no. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, first burn spell to be called burn. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, last split card here is wear and tear. Wear is one in a red instant destroy target artifact. Tear is a white mana instant destroy target enchantment. And it has fuse. It's an uncommon. This is strictly a sideboard card. Yeah, this is a sideboard card, but it's really crazy the like this actually has a huge power level because unlike all the rest of these cards um they didn't increase the cost of the single side things right right it's so, still a shatter and a what you call it demystify demystify yeah they didn't yeah it's the exact same card except you get both and you can use both it's like i mean i think it's going to be pretty awesome and constructed but obviously we don't really give too many shits about that yeah, I mean, in Constructed, a Disenchant is probably just better than this if you're playing white, though. I guess you can't two-for-one somebody with it. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, Hole Breach was a card in its time. Yeah, and, and, and that was the Sorcery, right? This is an instant? I think it was an instant. Okay, you might be right. You're probably right. All right, the only other uncommons or commons we have to get to here are the Guild Gates, and that kind of transitions into our discussion on looking at Return to Ravnica and Gate Crash cards. So I want to talk about the gates first. All right. We discussed how we had, we're going to have probably like six to eight gates definitely opened in the first pack of any full block draft. I'd say more than that on average, or more than six on average. I'd say it's, because the only ones that you could open are Shocklands, which are rare, and probably you're probably going to be pretty lucky to open those. Sure, but I'm saying, like, variance-wise, like, if you have less than six, that's going to be weird, you know? Oh, but like, real you, weird. You should have at least six opened most of the time. You'll be pretty stoked at the rare draft. Yeah, and seven, seven or eight is more likely. Yeah. So there's a certain number of gates right there. Then you have all the gates that you would have opened normally in your gate crash and return to Ravnica packs. Mm-hmm. So if you could, like estimate how many gates on average are opened in a full block draft what do you think that number would be like i'm sure we could crunch these numbers we probably should have but (laughs) i wouldn't know how to do it to be honest uh i think it's gonna be close 
to 24. I, th- I think you... Or it would probably be like 20, is my guess. Okay, that seems fair. So if there are 20 gates going around, and you assume that... If you assume that everybody gets an equal number, that's like two to three gates per person? Yeah. That's, that's not a good. whole lot. That's when, pretty good. Well, I mean, it's pretty good, but when you look at something like the the gate keepers, which we discussed earlier. Yeah. Like, you need two gates in play at least to get the abilities on those cards. Mm-hmm. And then there are other cards that really want you to have gates as well. Now, those cards include, like, Ogre Jailbreaker, or was it Jailbreaker or Jailkeeper? I don't know. From Return to Ravnica. Right. Crackling Perimeter, cards like that. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to talk about how important gates are. It seems like they're going to be very important. Yeah, they feel like pretty high picks now. Um, not bounce land high pick, but I think they might be. Really? Yes. Wow. Like you might be first picking gates just to have them. Wow. I. I mean, it's possible. I, I don't. And not just for those cards, not just for the ogre jailbreakers and for the gatekeepers, but for the fact that you you. Increase the playability of those cards, and you also are fixing your mana. Yeah. Like, you're committing to more than two colors with your first pick by taking a guild gate. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a five-color gate deck to be built. Yes. Which is going to be fucking fun. (laughs) Yeah, assuming not everybody's trying to draft it, you know? Sure, sure, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and because of that, deck existing and probably being a ton of fun. Or I'm assuming that it's existing. They've kind of set it up. If it doesn't, then Wizards has failed. <laughs> but so I'm gonna assume that it's a real deck. And if it is, like, and it's a lot of fun, yeah, it could very well be overdrafted, which means that the gates become even higher picks because they'll be super important in that deck. And yeah, I could see that causing the the pick order for gates to even ri- to rise even further. You're not going to necessarily, like, first pick a Demir Guildgate and then second pick a Selesnya Guildgate. Because, I mean, you might if you're really, like, intent on fixing mana. Yeah. But if you see, like, a Demir Guildgate and then your next pick is a Rakdos Guildgate, you probably, you might just slam that one, too. Right. Because, like, once you have three of them in your deck, you can start to actually consider some of those other gate-centric cards playable or like abilities that you're going to get whether it's like the jailbreaker or a gatekeeper or i don't know god forbid hold the hold the gates or whatever that card is right i mean i don't know i just think that because we're entering a format where mana fixing is going to be very important where everybody's going to want to be drafting three colors the gates are high picks already and the fact that there are other cards that get a lot better if you control gates makes it so that they're probably worth first picking in my mind. It's possible. I mean, but like I was, I mentioned earlier, uh, we only have one common multicolored creature or card so far. Um, and so we don't have a lot of commons at all spoiled. The power level of this set might be real high. Sure. Which would make me want to take cards over lands. But. Well, can you think? Let's think about it in a different way. If the power level of the set of Dragon's Maze is inherently high, 
then you're not punished as much by giving up a high-powered card first pick because your second pick is also probably going to be very powerful. And well, your, your picks later in the pack are going to be very powerful. What's more important, in my mind, is being able to cast your spells. And to do that, I think you're going to be need to be in three colors. Oh, yeah, I agree. But But what about giving up the good picks in the two later packs. If, if Dragon Maze is the po- more powerful pack, like, pick the spells. It's just like the Alara Reborn principle of, like, pick your fixing in the packs that don't have as powerful of cards. Right? Yeah. But I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that in... There will be more of it in... In Dragon's Maze? Dragon's no, Maze. not that there will be more of it, but that you'll know you're going to get something first pick. Like you'll know you know it's an option. I'm not saying yeah. you're always gonna first pick a, a gate or a dual land over some powerful spell in the pack, but it's something you need to consider every time. Like if you have a relatively weak pack or a, or a homogenous pack where there are a lot of good cards and different guilds and different colors, like it might just be correct to take the land. Yeah, I I could see that. Yeah, I'm not talking about yeah packs two and three. That's kind of just like you either take guilds that are in your color or gates that are in your colors or you take cards that are in your colors, because you can't just take every land you see. That's just a waste, probably. True, true, yeah. But But this kind of brings up an interesting point, which Conley mentioned in his article about, like, the consistency of of decks, like, especially the consistency of their mana bases versus the power level in a multicolored set. And you touched on this briefly with referring to Shard's Block. Right. That... Alara Reborn, like, the cards were so powerful that it didn't really matter what colors you were in because you were going to get something good. Mm-hmm. And so if you can set yourself up through gates, through key runes, through whatever else to just cast a bunch of stuff, whether it's on guild or, like, in an, on a splash or whatever, you're probably going to be doing more powerful things than your opponent. Mm-hmm. What you give up is some consistency in the early turns and some consistency with your mana. Right. I am really looking forward to punishing. At the very start of the format, I, if this goes as I think it will, I am looking forward to drafting a lot more gates than the rest of the table because people will not value them correctly. You're probably right. Although hopefully if they listen to this podcast, they'll understand how important they are. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, that that was kind of the case in uh, like shards block and stuff like that. Is the the fixing slowly got more important as people realized that like the fact that like you just can't be two color and stuff like that. It was just yeah, it made it so the consistency of your mana often was the the deciding factor in the game. Yeah. Now if it shifts too much the other way where everybody goes all in on these like three, four, five color decks. What I'm really looking forward to is trying to punish those people by drafting a close to two color deck, especially like an aggro deck. Like if you can get into like a Rakdos or Boros type of deck mm-hmm. in the full block and really punish those people who are stumbling on mana early in the game, you're going to win a lot of matches. Now how viable that is, I have no idea. It it very well might be. I mean, so going back to shards again, uh, that was a, definitely a big um, strategy in the shards block uh, was to try to go as two color as possible and to just 
draft the like absurd um i forget the name of them or uh, yeah i forget the name of them but it's like uh oh the blades the like esper storm blade and stuff like that like like being like a white blue deck that splashes black barely but, but the is splash mostly, was pretty free right right the splash is pretty free and you're mostly just jamming two and three drops that are super powerful and killing your opponent before they can do their broken things with their five color mana bases yeah and i mean that the ability to do that is definitely there with rakdos and with boros the question is is whether in the off pack like for boros it's going to be in the return to ravnica pack whether you can scrounge enough playables there without dipping too far away from red and white like yeah chances are you're probably going to be looking at black cards for the most part anyway you know just more like aggressive creatures sure or or i guess i don't know there there might be enough like detain mono white guys like the azorius arrester cards like that he's solid yeah i mean and in gate crash you have the like if you want um Oh man, my mind just blinked. We well, have the re- the mono red battalion cards. Yes, cards like storm storm mine infantry. Yeah, is that and is that the name of that card? That, that is not the name of it, I don't think. But it's, okay. they know they know what you're talking about. Uh, and like and and like skin brand goblin is solid. There you go, great Things example. Like so yeah, I mean if you can if people get too greedy with with how many colors they want to play and how many gates they want to play, the window to destroy those people with aggro decks is going to be open and yeah. it's going to be interesting early on in the format to see kind of how that shifts and goes back and forth. I have a feeling eventually we'll end up somewhere in the middle where there are a lot of like three color mid range decks. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think, uh, yeah, drafting some kind of shard is going to be the way to go. Probably prioritizing a specific color, um, over the other two. Yep. Like the central color. Yeah, the central color between the two. The, the bridge. Yeah, so and, like if you're drafting Boros, Gruul, and Selesnya, the one thing those all, like, have in common. They don't have that, one thing in common necessarily, no. but you can skew towards one of the two colors that, like, is in, I don't know, I'm having a hard time spitting this out, but... <laughs> Like, yeah, you focus on white or green or red, and then you let your other two colors be more support. And right. And you're going to be kind of avoiding double-color casting cost in those support colors. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's like choosing green there means that Boros is kind of your splash, right? Yes. And then, so, like, any cards that are white and red, or like Boros gold cards, they have to be pretty powerful for you to want them. Yeah, you're probably not going to want a whole lot of Wojek Halbdeers in a deck like that. Right, exactly, yeah. Whereas if you're focusing on white, then the... That card's much easier to cast. Right, and the red-green cards become the ones that are harder to cast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I want to talk about just inherently how certain types of cards get a little more powerful in a set that's like this. And specifically, I'm talking about the split cards and the hybrid cards. Because you can cast, you you don't necessarily have to be in both colors to make them work. Now, we talked about how some of those split cards, like Toil and Trouble, you don't really want to play just the red half of that card. But mm-hmm. some of the other ones, like Far and Away, like you, that can be a mono blue card. You don't have to ever cast away for that to be valuable. Like, just an unsummon for two mana is fine. Like, that's a playable card. Yep. And uh, hybrid cards are similar, whereas, like, Pit Fight or Arrows of Justice... Like, they're not red-white or red-green cards. They're 
either. They they can fit in either deck. I mean, we know that from playing with them, but I just want to reinforce now that like the mana is going to be worse and people are going to be playing more colors. Cards that are flexible on your mana like that are higher picks. Yeah, very good cards. Uh, did you want to talk about um, like maybe the thing like synergies that have gotten worse and synergies that have gotten better maybe? Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to talk about just the, the mechanics in general. Right. So just looking at all the different keywords and kind of figuring out, like, maybe which ones are going to get better, which ones are going to get worse. Let's start with uh, Gatecrash, because that's a little more fresh in our memory. Like, Extort, that's not going to be as good anymore, don't you think? Right. I mean, it's going to be less of a strategy and more of a... It's just value. In- incidental value, yeah, like, oh, cool, my bear has extort on it. I needed a bear for the deck, I didn't need a card with extort, necessarily, because cause I'm not going to get a lot of chances to grab those, so you won't be consistently extorting, so you can't rely on it. Yeah, it's not a win condition anymore, mm-hmm. it's just something that, because you're going to be drafting a pack of Return to Ravnica in the draft format, where there are no extort cards that linear strategy of getting a bunch of extort cards and a bunch of other cheap spells is going to be harder to pull off because there's one-third fewer extort cards running around. Even less than that. I mean, so there's going to be, since all ten guilds are represented in Dragon's Maze, there's even half as many oh, extort yeah. cards in Dragon's Maze. So, so yeah, you're you're essentially having the amount of extort you're, you can get throughout the, the draft. Which is going to be the case with every single mechanic. Sure, but some of them don't really care. Like, Blood Rush is one that... Doesn't care at all. Doesn't care at all. I mean, it's just gravy on top of creatures, essentially. Like, you have these creatures that are castable. They're not always good. Like, Skin Brand Goblin and Scorchwalker aren't the best creatures, but in a pinch, if you need them just to be a 2-1 or a 5-1 on the battlefield, you can do that. Uh And the ability to Blood Rush them is sweet. Like, it's definitely an aggressive strategy. It can only work when attacking... But it kind of like make up makes up for losing some of the pump spells in Return to Ravnica if you're like in Selesnia, for example. Right. Uh, but it's like, but Blood Rush is one of those abilities that's always just good. It's never not going to be useful. Right. Similar with uh, Cipher, um, where I mean, Cipher is you're going to be attacking your opponent. I mean, generally having unblockable creatures, you might have a little fewer of them, but there's always going to be flying creatures, you know? So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see Cypher getting any worse, necessarily, because it didn't, it didn't rely on multiple Cypher spells to get going. You just needed the one. Right. Battalion's kind of tricky in that regard, whereas you can look at it, a Battalion creature and be like, oh, I just need to attack with three creatures. They don't all have to have Battalion, but part of what made Battalion good was the fact that if you had multiple Battalion guys on the board, you could do some sick things when you attacked with everything. Right, your power increased exponentially when you yeah. attacked. So, I mean, it, I don't think it gets a lot worse, but I think it does get a little worse as a mechanic. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about Evolve? Evolve is an interesting one, because it's kind of good with itself, but it also doesn't necessarily need itself to be good, right? I think it actually gets a little bit better. You do? Okay. Yeah, just because you don't have as, like... You're not you don't you're not forced forced with into the uh, like the scenario where you just draw like more of the same evolved guy. Like if you draw two Krakenuras, like they can never evolve each other. 
True, yeah. Uh, with that said, part of what made the Simic decks good in Gatecrash was the fact that you could really load up on Cloudfin Raptors and Shamble Sharks and Croconuras and then just evolve everything all at once. Right. Like, you're not going to get many turns like that anymore in the new set. I mean, you might get some, but it's going to be a little more rare. Right. I think the decks that rely on evolve as a strategy don't really exist anymore. But the cards that say evolve on them by themselves in vacuums might have gotten better. Yeah, that's kind of the way I feel too. Yeah. How about in Return to Ravnica? Uh, all right. Well, so Scavenge, um, I think it gets better. Yeah. Because uh, if we're slowing the format down probably, uh, which that was a big problem with Scavenge in Return to Ravnica. Was the format was very fast. Scavenge is an extremely slow mechanic. You have that, and then also you have uh, these cards in Gatecrash that say, if your creature has a plus one, plus one counter, something good happens. Yep. So you have that bonus. Like, Scavenge with, uh, what's the Rhino? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But the 4-3 that gives Trample to all your plus one, plus one counter creatures, that's huge. I mean... The Sapphire Drake? Or the Sapphire Drake, which is off-color, but easily played, because we're in the land of three-color decks now. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's pretty awesome, uh, getting that kind of bonus, as well as, yeah, just the fact that the format's probably going to be slower. Yeah, just the synergy it has with the other things that Evolve creatures were doing and just Simic cards were doing. I mean, not that Bioshift was a playable card, but the fact that there are cards like Bioshift in Gatecrash tells you that there are synergies to be had with Pulse Pulse Encounters, and Scavenge puts those on your creatures. So I think that gets a little bit better. Uh, populate, probably a little worse. Yeah. Not I, a whole lot of token generating going on in Gatecrash? No, not a ton. I mean, you have like Nightwatch, um, some other stuff maybe. <laughs> yeah. You could make an angel token, which was cool. Uh, that would be fun to populate, but uh, it's an uncommon. If you're really going deep, four colors, call the Nightwing tokens. <laughs> sure. Just, uh... Like, no overlap between those color combinations yeah. whatsoever. And also, like, really, are you, is that what you're excited to evolve? I, I, or <laughs> populate. I'd rather be populating centaurs than 1-1 one, one No, I, I agree. I just throw on something out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. populate's a little worse. Yeah, it's worse. You don't have as many cards that can populate, and you don't have, uh, as many token generators. So. With that said, the token generators they've spoiled so far, like some of the rares, are insane. Wow. A four mana five five that instant speed. Yep. <laughs> I can't believe that. I and know. so, I mean, it's I hate cards like that because like what I've I've read a little bit about what people have said about spoilers, and I I don't play standard, so I don't know much about it. But people are like, yeah, I mean, it might be playable in standard, but really, it's. Like, a 4-mana 5-5 is no longer amazing, and the downside of it being a token is a real downside. But in fucking draft, it's going to be so broken. Like, I really wish they wouldn't print cards that are, like, totally broken in draft and mediocre in constructed. So, because what's the point, man? (laughs) They're kind of, that always happens, so it's always been part of magic. I know, I hate it. I don't necessarily hate it. I think it's just part of the game. Yeah. I guess. All right. Uh, Unleash? Unleash, uh, I think it's just uh, gravy. Yeah. You know? Kind of like Blood Rush, where it's just like the creatures that have it, have it, and it makes them better. Yeah. 
Like, and that's you, it. Yeah, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be sad the fact that you don't have like that not all your creatures have blood rush because the one the other ones you have will probably have other good abilities. I mean, it doesn't. It's not like uh, or not blood rush. Sorry, unleash. unleash. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like unleash plays well together. It plays well together because they're all big creatures, but. You can do that in other ways. Like, you don't have to have the keyword unleash for your other unleash cards to be good. Yeah, if anything, this kind of falls under the same umbrella as Scavenge, where just the fact that they're plus one, plus one counters, if anything, makes them better. Because now you can do things with Simic cards that you couldn't do before. Yeah, and you know what will be interesting is, is a card like Bioshift to where it could do some really crazy things now, because there's actually a ton of plus one, plus one counters running around uh, in with the full block because of Scavenge and Unleash and uh, Evolve. There are three mechanics that are built around plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, instead of just the one in Gate Crash. Yeah, which like, is, is, I don't know, I'm, I'm really interested to see if Bioshift becomes, like, not like, main deckable, obviously, but but like, a pretty huge blowout card. I don't know, you could do some fun stuff where, like, you have an unleashed guy you just played, and they go into attack, and you're like, haha, Bioshift, move this counter off of my, uh, what was the uh, the first strike guy, the 2-2 first strike guy? I don't remember his name. <laughs> we gotta bone up on these, because they're all coming back. That's true. Uh, it was the Ogre, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, Thug, Splatter Thug. Splatter Thug. Nailed right? it. Only took me five minutes. <laughs> yeah, like move the counter off my splatter thug and then block something, block your X2. Like right. I don't know if that's worth a card. I don't know if Bioshift is worth playing in that scenario, but I mean, but you could two for one somebody in that situation, right? Because maybe you have another creature on board that's too small to trade with something or block something profitably, and now it's bigger and you have two cards that get to block profitably instead of none. Yep. Definitely best case scenario, but I mean that that possibility does exist. Or the crazy time when your opponent plays a Splatter Thug unkicked or ununleashed because they have to block that turn, and you're like, eh, I'll give it a plus one, plus one counter. Yeah. Shrink your other dude, make it so that guy can't block, getcha. Yeah. I mean, more best-case scenario stuff. Obviously, Bioshift, don't don't main deck this card. I, I'm just interested to see if card like, cards like that will be good. Detain's another one that just kind of stays about the same. Like, those cards don't really get any better or any worse. They do the same thing that they used to do. Yep. And totally. there's no, like, pulse and pulse counter. I really think that that's, like, that mechanic, you don't have to change your evaluation on those cards whatsoever, really. I agree. Uh, overload, kind of the same. Yeah. I mean, they're just spells that do good things. Uh, wouldn't you pay more? I mean, I, I think uh, it's important... To, to look at the the keywords that have gotten worse, um, if you notice, most of them are the kind of the dominant forces of their respective uh, formats, right? That's a great point. Extort and populate. Extort, populate, and uh, battalion are all were all real big in their respective formats, and and those get worse and. I think this was a purposeful thing that Wizards has done to make it so it kind of evens out the the power distribution, right? Yeah, I mean, that was something that we kind of lamented a lot was the fact that Selesnya was so good in Return to Ravnica draft and that Extort and Boros were so good in 
Gatecrash draft, and now all three of those are going to get slightly worse and bring the other guilds kind of a little more to the forefront, hopefully. Yep. It's looking to be a good format, in my opinion, but I don't well, know. We've waited so long for it, it's hard not to be excited about it. Yeah, yeah. The problem was that we like knew this was going to happen like months and months ago. Yeah. What about, I want to talk about, we talked about mana fixing and how that's going to be important, and we touched on this briefly, but the key runes, those are those are going to be a little better now, aren't they? I think more than a little better. I think they're going to be good. Good? Probably. Some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ones with the ones with relevant bodies. Here's why I'm skeptical. Okay. Like, thinking back to Alara, we've compared these two formats a lot. Were you ever really excited to play an obelisk? No, but obelisk didn't have a secondary mode. But they could tap for three different colors. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, that's true. I don't know. I, 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 feel, I feel happier about key runes than I do about obelisks. Yeah, I guess if you're getting the body out of it, that's fine. The, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that if you're really using a key rune to fix for mana, like you're not always going to be able to activate it as a creature if one of those yeah. colors is your splash. Right. Well, I think more what it comes to is these key runes get really good in decks that aren't necessarily uh, focused on like they're they're two more, colors plus a splash. Right. They're more encompassing an entire shard. So, like, it's just going to smooth out your mana, ramp you, and, like, get you into, like, a really good state where you can cast all your spells easily and you have this extra body to play with. Yeah, I think that's fair. They definitely get better. I just don't know. I I dislike them so much in the first place that now I'm, like, I just, like, kind of think they're okay. I'm still probably going to, like, value them less than other people to start out the format. That might be incorrect. Yeah, I mean... Boros key rune is still garbage, uh, or not garbage, but it's definitely horrible. One one double strike just doesn't do it. Yeah, I mean the ones that were already playable will remain playable, like the white blue one, the black green one, green red. Uh, yeah, green. I don't really like that one that much either. I like the green what? one. What? So. You didn't like green red? The three two. Eh. Oh man, that was a good one. Two toughness is like not that good. Blood rush. <laughs> So I'm paying two mana to activate my guy, and I'm paying mana to Blood Rush? Yeah, but you're getting in damage and killing their blocker. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's I liked it. I liked it. Can we just kind of talk about specific cards we're excited about from the the previous sets to draft with Dragon's Maze? Sure. Crackling Perimeter? (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Oh, man. How pumped up are you for that? I'm very pumped. Is that I, something you're going to try, like, within the first week of drafting? You're just going to, like, go for it? The first week of it being online. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I will... I, that'll probably be the first thing I do, is probably just do the uh, jam Fourth. as many gates as possible, make the gate deck, see what happens. You should record that video, because I really want to see, like, if you fully commit to it right away, like, how many gates can you expect to get and how many do you really want yeah that's that's the other question it's like it's would you like really when, play more than five yeah when every land you play comes into comes in tapped is like you're behind an entire turn the, the entire game that's pretty bad yeah <laughs> i i don't know it'll be interesting i'll probably like it, when i force it i'll probably play like eight gates and see how that goes <laughs> probably terribly 
Yeah, probably. But you know, you gotta you gotta just go all in. Try it out the first time and then see see what happens. You know what card I'm most excited to play with now? What's that? Chromatic Lantern. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's we, high on my list. We talked about that in the spoiler, how like it was like, oh, this card's gonna be absurd, and it turned out to be pretty mediocre. Yeah, pretty bad actually in Ravnica. Yeah, and then, but that's because we came into it thinking it's a multicolor set when really it wasn't. Um, Yeah, but now we are in the throes of a multicolor set. This is happening, people. Chromatic Lantern, all-star, for sure. Uh, Real quick, that rhino that we kept forgetting the name of, Crown Saratok. There it is. Yeah. What's up, rhino? (laughs) Uh, I have... A question for you. Do you think we're going to see anything spoiled in the next couple weeks about Enchant Lands? Like, caring about Enchant Lands? Because they printed one in every color over the first two sets. No. (laughs) You think that's just coincidence? That that they made this weird little cycle and that's it? I think that we might see... Okay, when you say caring about Enchant Lands, do you mean a card that will say... Enchanted land. If you control an enchanted land, something blah blah blah. Or are you saying like a good land destruction spell? Either. Do you think we're gonna get either of those things? <laughs> I could see the latter, not the former. I don't think that they're gonna have an actual mechanic that cares about enchanted lands. Okay. But I could see a playable land destruction spell being like probably one attached to a creature. It's pretty much the only way they become playable. That's something I was wondering about all through the previous two formats was how those cards were actually like going to matter down the road. And the problem is a lot of them sucked. <laughs> that's true. But that was the point. It was like there were so many bad ones that I thought they have to be building to something, you know? But yeah. apparently not. I don't know. I think I think you got that in uh you got your synergy in uh what's he called? The the two one that untaps a gate. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Let's talk about milling as a strategy. And because this is something that most formats have some semblance of a mill deck. And does this full block at this point look like we're going to get that? I don't think so. No. It's going to be similar to um, how original Ravnica was uh, compared to the full block, where... It like, like, there was a mill deck to be had in Triple Ravnica, although not the best deck, not a great plan. But once the full block happened, if you were trying to mill your opponent out, you were doing it wrong. Yeah. Just, it just, the fact that there's not as many cards, like, because in Gay Crash, like, we had plenty of cards that milled, but, but really, who's milling anybody out in that format? It's still not good, and, and now it's just going to get worse. There's just yep. going to be less of it. So, I don't know. I say never mill. Don't do it. You're just giving your opponent scavenge creatures in the yard. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It actually gets worse. Yeah. Like, not just because there are fewer cards that actively do it, but, yeah, the fact that we're reintroducing scavenge. Yep. Good point. Seems pretty bad. Uh, what else are you excited about? Uh, or interested in, I guess. I'm just interested in how the the keywords will match up with each other, you know? Like, how my... Like, like a deck that's exciting is the bug deck, right? Evolve, scavenge, together, forever. 
<laughs> buddies. Buddies. Uh, and you also, I mean... Detain gets... Battalion? Yeah. That seems awesome. Um, well, I don't know. Like, I just... I, I'm interested to figure them all out. Like, and each each chart has three different keywords. So, like, there's a lot of space to play with to figure out which which have the strongest synergy together. Um, well, let's talk about... Let's speculate. I mean, what other good ones are there? We've mentioned Scavenge and Evolve. We've mentioned... Uh, Detain and Battalion. Detain and Cypher seem like they work well together. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else? We have... Uh, I mean, blood, What does Blood Rush work well with? I mean, Blood Rush, Unleash, Battalion are all kind of in that same boat of I want to beat face. I want to be attacking all the time. Right. You know? right. And while none of those abilities inherently like synergize with the other... The fact that they're all on the same plan makes them synergistic. True. Yeah. Yeah. I could see the like red, white, black type deck being like super aggro or whatever. Or I don't know. I'm trying to think of another combination that would be similar. Yeah, I think it's just white, black, red. That's yeah. that's the only one that seems like it could be extremely that has aggressive. All, all three. Super yeah. aggressive. I mean, a uh, white, white, blue, green might get there. Like detain plus evolve creatures plus like the efficient white green dudes from Selesnia. Sure. But that yeah. seems like more of a mid range strategy to me. Yeah. I mean, it's... so so these strategies that we we decided have, are getting worse. Do they synergize well with anything? Like, does populate work well with anything? Not really. I mean, just other token generating cards. It was such a linear mechanic in the first place. Right. So, yeah, so that, yeah, it just, it doesn't feel very good. Uh, I think where you see green-white really shine not necessarily isn't on the populate plan, but just on that aggressive pump spell plan. Like, you don't necessarily have to be pump or populating all the time, but if you are playing efficient creatures, attacking and representing blood rush or pump spells or detaining things, like, that's where you're going to gain value with green-white. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, I can see that. You, you know what'll be fun is the like. Remember Axbane Guardian, the Axbane Guardian deck. Yes. Uh, like building that around like the super expensive, like like Orzov like type stuff. You know. Yeah. That'd be fun. I think yeah, extort. Is another one of those ones that doesn't really necessarily play well with anything else in particular, but it's such a just arbitrary value added that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and it likes it prefers the slow game, and I think it is becoming slower. So yeah, that's good. Um, I don't know, o- Overload there? doesn't do anything special with anything else. Yeah. yeah, which is really kind of a bummer. Like that that was kind of the problem with is it in Returned around Nick a draft was that there's no synergy. The mechanic was just like so out of place in like co- on common cards for the most part. Like those effects were so minor, right? That yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of a bummer that is it got shafted like that. Not that the cards were bad, but just that that you couldn't get really get linear with it, even if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. I mean, is it was a fun deck in Return of Ravnica, but it definitely wasn't built around their mechanic whatsoever. Yeah. We should talk about the uh, the guild 
leaders, not necessarily the champions that are coming out in Dragon's Maze, but guys like Lazav, Jameer Mastermind, and Isperia and Tristani. Like, those cards are still very powerful, but the double-double mana cost is pretty prohibitive. True. Um, yeah, I mean, you're probably only taking them if those are your base colors. Uh, yeah. Yeah, to, to think, like, being a three-color deck that's, like, focusing on blue-green but splashing white, and then you see a Tristani, like, I don't know if you love it too much because you're probably not really populating anyway. Yeah, so it just, yeah, it seems like the mana cost might make it so you're passing these monstrous bombs (laughs) in your colors, which will be weird, but it might be the right decision. On the other hand, a card like Mercurial Chemister is something that only requires one of each of its colors, so that card's still very, very good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh... Oh, I found another token generating card, Miming Slime. Yeah, that's something that's you can populate. A pretty good one too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because there's a lot of pump spells running around. Pump your guy, mime that slime, populate. Mime it. I guess that's three cards, but hey. <laughs> They're all like star stars that you can populate in green from Gate Crash, Ooze Flux, Mystic Genesis. Miming mm-hmm. slime. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh man, ooze flux, ivy lane denison, and a repeatable populate. Ooh. Yeah, super value. You thought you were getting value off ooze flux and ivy lane denison before. Now that you've got growing ranks. <laughs> now you're look getting out. double. <laughs> All right. All right. That's enough silly silliness. I can't think of other things that shout out synergy to me but what do you think about some of the splashier cards at common that were like risky like madcap skills like now that that card is something that is going to be in only one of the three packs as opposed to all three it feels like a bit better of a card because people won't expect it as often do you agree or disagree i will agree to that Tentatively, tentatively. Wait, am I saying that word right? Fuck. Tentatively. Uh, yeah. Um, because we have yet to see the commons in Dragon's Maze. Uh, it's possible that we're going to see a lot of solid, cheap removal. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, which, putrefy and uncommon. We've seen that. Yeah. Also, uh, far and away. Um, Turn and burn. Turn and burn. Yeah, I mean, these are all uncommons, but, you know, if we get some common ones, I'm going to be less excited about playing cards like Madcap Skills. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, it's very possible that it will be so unexpected that the opponent won't be able to play around it because they won't think to. Yeah, I'm kind of just flipping through this, the previous two sets here on... Uh, Magic Card Side Info, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of other stuff that really jumps out at me. Oh, there's another green uh, token maker, Slime Molding. I don't even remember what that does. It's X and a green to put an XX token onto the battlefield. Isn't that from Return of Ravnica? Oh, you're right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I just haven't played with it in so long. Yeah. I kind of forgot where it was from. 
Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think most part, I think the cards are not going to change in value a whole lot. What changes in value is your mana, like the flexibility of your mana base and how many different colors you can play. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, our little draft group here did a a, dra- a team Rochester draft, as weird as this is, with two packs of Return to Ravnica and one pack of Gatecrash, and we drafted the Gatecrash first. Now, what became like really clear in that draft was that if you tried to draft a Gatecrash guild, you were kind of inherently at a disadvantage because there were two packs of Return to Ravnica relative to only one pack of Gatecrash. Yeah, you know, so. Now that we're kind of now that we're getting an even split, like because because there isn't a whole lot of overlap between the mechanics, like direct overlap, you really need to just be able to play your most powerful spells in general, like things that are arbitrarily good. And to do that, you need to be able to like cast all your spells and have good mana. So I think that that's where like the power level is going to change a lot. Is on a card like uh, Gate Creeper Vine, you know. Mm-hmm. Just something that can tutor up a land, tutor, tutor up a gate. Like I'm not talking about gate-centric cards like the Ogre Jailbreaker. I'm just talking about the ability to have mana. I keep on harping on this, but have access to all colors of mana and cast all your spells. Like If you can do that, you're probably going to win more often than you lose in this format. Or at least that's my initial impression. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I mean, the synergies aren't going to be quite as powerful. Because no. they're not... They're not as, like, right there and readily available. You're going to have to jump through some hoops to get some the, like, full value out of your synergy. So it's going to be more important to just cast the, the more powerful cards. Yeah. And you can maximize your chances of doing that by taking more single casting cost cards, cards like, I don't know, Ultimate Price, Tristani's Judgment, as opposed to something like uh, a Grizzly Spectacle, which, again, because it's double black, not that you have to prioritize it over those other two cards because they're in different packs, but let's say if you're faced with the choice of a Grizzly Spectacle and a Killing Glare. Like, Killing Glare is probably just the card you should pick in most yeah, cases. for sure. Um, yeah, or even, like, Grizzly Spectacle versus Angelic Edict. Like if you're put in both of those two colors, like, they... In, in the... Like, the Grizzly Spectacle was definitely the better card in Gatecrash, in my opinion, anyway. But uh, I think the Edict becomes better just because it's... You're probably going to be casting it on the same turn anyway. Yep. And the Edict has more flexibility. Totally. Uh, but yeah, anything that fixes mana definitely goes up in value a lot. Verdant Haven, Gate Creeper Vine... Uh, Prophetic Prism is a big one. Like, that card is going to be real good. Yep. Because it doesn't, like, make you choose. Like, it doesn't require you to play any one color to start either. Like, Verdant Haven requires that you're playing green. So does Gatekeeper Vine. Prophetic Prism is just throw it in your deck, fix your mana, draw a card. Yeah. It's real good. I don't know. I think that's all I really have to say. Is there anything else you want to touch on as far as this goes? I mean, we're going to be talking about this for months, essentially, so we don't Need to go too much deeper today. Right. I think we're good. I think uh, be ready for multicolor. It's going to happen, no matter if you want it to or not. Uh, Pick lands higher. Uh, Form is probably going to be slowed down. So uh, be ready. Anyway, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on, and I almost forgot about this, was uh, last episode when we were talking about the differences between Constructed and... 
limited. Someone tweeted at me on Twitter and brought up a like really obvious thing that we didn't talk about, which was sideboards. Like having oh. a f- 15 card sideboard that you get to create versus like a whatever's left over from your draft pile sideboard. Like that's a lot of difference. And just the fact that you can sideboard, you don't have to sideboard one for one in limited. Like against a mill deck, that matters. So yeah. I don't want to like totally dive into that discussion, but I want to acknowledge that we missed it and uh, give a shout out to the. I, I wish I could remember who tweeted that at me, but um, I don't know. Why don't you sign us off here and I'll I'll, I'll look that up. Try to fix, give give this person proper due. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been East West Draftcast. Uh, you can contact us. We have email, eastwestdraftcast@gmail.com. We have Facebook, East West Draftcast. We have Twitters, mine, Jeff EWDC, Greg uh, EW Draftcast. And a website, eastwestdraftcast.com. You can grab the podcast the earliest you can possibly get it at that site. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a regular publishing schedule, but um, deal with it. Goes, it. <laughs> it goes up there more quicker than it goes up to MTG Cast because they have a lot of backlog they have to deal with. Yeah, uh, I would say if, if you follow me on Twitter, when I post a new episode on the website, it'll automatically tweet out on the at EWDraftCast account. So if you're following me, you'll be able to know like when the newest episodes come out every time. Yeah, so grab those up, and um, you can uh, send gifts to me. <laughs> uh, I won't give out my address, but, you know, you figure it out. Yeah. Uh, the person who mentioned the, the sideboarding thing was at Chance Husky, and instead of having, like, a normal, just, like, my thing says at EW Draftcast, and above that it says East West Draftcast, or Greg Smith over Greg Sauce. This guy's name is just chance <laughs> with two question marks and an exclamation point but uh oh, yeah thanks nice. thanks for pointing that out too I, I do appreciate that that was a pretty big one we missed yeah thank you chance chance <laughs> and yeah thanks again to dan for uh promoting us on mtgo strat that was a that was a pretty cool thing to see i was so yeah any promotion is is welcome. Uh, we <laughs> don't get anything out of this except that we get people to listen to us, and we yeah. appreciate every single person that does. Yeah. So more of that, the better. Going back to uh, mtgcast.com real quick, if you at all like what they're doing and support what they're doing, and I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you probably do, uh, don't be afraid to send some donations their way because they do a lot of good work there to – basically give you all this podcast magic content for free you know they host all the stuff they put everything up on itunes and yeah if you if you have the ability to kick back to them a little bit uh we would appreciate it and i'm sure they would really appreciate it so i don't know consider it if you can yeah they they pay for the hosting too it's not like they they get this for free they're they're cat it costs them money to give you this free service so and they get nothing in return so please donate yeah anyway uh that's all i got this time and i'm looking forward to dragon's maze man this is gonna be good i got so tired of gate crash yeah that like i started just to forget names of cards i i've like fallen off the map i really haven't drafted it in 
maybe a month, which yeah, is I'm, I'm in the same boat. I pretty got rough, real burnt out, real fast. So new format, I'm pumped up. I, I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited. All right, everybody, catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Draft cap out. <laughs>